Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess at what? That Jesus, that name. Every knee shall bow at that name. So everything that you're going through today, everything that you might need as you're coming in here today, it has to kneel at the name of Jesus. And I've said this before, but sometimes if you don't even know what to pray, just pray Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's been times when I didn't have the words and all I could come up with was, Jesus, I need you today. Uh, we're going to override this spirit that's trying to, come on. We're, we're going to override this spirit. Something is about to shift and break in this house this morning. Are you excited about that? All right, come on. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise in this place this morning. Oh, he's good. He's worthy. He's worthy more than that. Come on. Come on. He's good. Worthy to be praised. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, how many are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on. Come on. Come on. It has been... I got my allergies going, so I'm going to be opening this water quite a bit. But uh, it seems like it's been a long time since I've been in church, y'all. I mean, we missed a Sunday because we were out of town, and then we had Sabbath Sunday uh, last week, and it feels like it's been like six months since I've been at church. And, uh, and my wife said, you've been acting like you've been out of church for... No, she didn't really say that. I'm just kidding. But uh, it's been great, but uh, I heard four for five was really good, and actually I didn't hear it. I heard it was good from some other people, but I also had a beachfront view of watching it right here. So there's nothing better than watching church sitting in a chair looking at the ocean, right? Can I get an amen on that one? But last week we had Sabbath, Sabbath Sunday, and I just kind of wanted to take a moment to kind of enlighten us just a little bit about what that is. It, we're, we did that just to kind of get, you all don't really realize the work that goes on to get things going on Sunday. If you were in here this morning at 8.30 to about 9.30, there was some work going on in here. I mean, there was, it was going crazy and haywire. Everything was, uh, was messed up. But there's a lot of work that goes into putting together a Sunday morning. And what this Sabbath Sunday was supposed to be about is just a kind of a day to relax, a day to kind of chill out and spend time with your family, but also a day to, how, a day to remember how good God really is in your life. You know what Sabbath can also be? It can also be a fun day. I heard there was a group that went kayaking. Anybody? Who, who's, the, who's my kayakers in the group in here? Woo! There's one. <laughs> no, I heard Paige and Trey and, and Blaine and Emily went, went kayaking, so I heard they had a great time. I grew up in a culture that Sunday was the Lord's Day. You know what I want to talk about? Y'all grew up that way. We didn't do nothing on Sunday, but we went to church and we came home and we sat and waited for church that night. You weren't allowed to get dirty. You weren't allowed to play baseball. You weren't allowed, you weren't allowed to do a lot of things. And I think that's kind of taken away from, but also let me tell you something too. It's been the reverse. A lot of things what's happened now is we've made church not a priority. You know what I'm talking about? It used to be, when I grew up, it was the main priority, and now it's become, oh, I'll go if I feel like it. But Sabbath Sunday is not a day just to skip church. It's a, gay, it's a day to, to actually take a rest in God. So I'm so glad everybody had a good time on that one. But anybody ever have a hard time sitting still? 
Come on, y'all impatient people. Anybody can, I just can't have a hard time sitting still. So um, I remember I was sitting on the beach, and, and when you go, can I just be honest with you, when you go to the beach with my beautiful wife, when you go to the beach with my beautiful boss, uh, uh, we're punching a time clock, because most of the time I took a picture and put it on Facebook, 8.15, we were driving onto the beach. And it's like we were on vacation. What? I almost got fired a couple of times during vacation, but we're pulling on the beach, and man, it's hard to get her off the beach, but there's, there's times when I'm just sitting there, and I'm just, and, and I was like, you have a hard time um, just quieting yourself a little bit. That whole first day, I'm sitting on the beach, and my mind is just racing, and, and did I forget to tell the staff something, or did we not do this, or did I forget something, and what do I have to do? And the whole time I'm sitting there, God is kind of trying to remind me. Uh, he reminded me that this is the time that I'm giving you to take a rest. I want you to chill. Pretty much God says, I need you to chill out. I need you to take a rest and understand that this is what you can call by being still. But you know what? After that day, I went home and I found some old notes that I'd started like a long time ago on Psalms 46. And let me read Psalms 46 to you real quick. It says, 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation and I will be honored throughout the world. And it says, be still. And I put question marks after that. What does that even mean? What is God even trying to say in this verse? And if you read and you study the previous verses, it brings everything into context. This is verse 10. But if you read 1 through 10, it brings the rest of this stuff into context. And, and the psalm takes us back to the days of Hezekiah. There was the days where the kings of, uh, of Israel and Judah, and Hezekiah was a good king. Back in those days, David was a good king, but many kings past that were not good. The Bible says that, that there was a split in Israel, and, and they, a lot of them had forgotten God. They'd set God uh, apart or set him aside, and, and, and they just lost sight. The Bible says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And what, you know what Hezekiah did? He was different than the rest of everyone. He tore down all the idols. They, they had set up idols to every kind of God or whatever. He tore those down. He brought God back into the equation of the nation. And I'm going to tell you something. If we want America to succeed, we need to bring God back into the equation. Because it didn't change until he brought God back into the equation. And here's what else he did. He revolted against an evil nation, the Assyrian nation that had had them oppressed. And sometimes, i got to be honest with you, sometimes when you do the right thing, anybody going to get a testimony on this? When you do the right things, bad things happen sometimes, right? You ever feel like, man, I'm doing, I feel like I'm doing everything right. I feel like I've not made this mistake or done that mistake. And everything seems like it's falling apart against you. But... He told, what happened is, is everything looked like it was going bad. The Assyrian army was coming against them. They were outnumbered. They were outgunned. They were surrounded, and they didn't know what to do. And not only did he do that, he sent somebody ahead of time. He sent messengers ahead to intimidate the Israelites and intimidate Hezekiah. He told them, he says, your king cannot save you. He said, your God cannot save you. He said, you have no, there, there's no way out of this situation. Everything seemed like it was coming against them, and they needed an answer. They needed some insurance. They needed protection. They needed some assurance that God would, that everything would be okay. You ever just need a day where you just, God, I just need to know if it's going to be okay today. I, I don't know what's going to happen the rest. I just need to know if, that you're in control, and it's going to be good today. But in the natural, 
we buy insurance, right? For all of your insurance needs, call Johnny Fussell. Johnny Fussell is your insurance need. He didn't he paid me $20 to do that. So but we buy insurance in the natural, you know, for fires and for natural disasters and health and because you know why? We want to reduce the risk before the disaster happens, right? Well, listen, what you can do is you can buy health insurance, and what does that mean? That doesn't mean you're not going to get sick. You can buy car insurance, and it doesn't mean that, that you're never going to have an accident or, or, or as a rain man, guys, I'm an excellent driver. I'm an excellent driver. Uh, you're an excellent driver. Someone else may not be an excellent driver. Yeah, I've heard people, young people say, well, I drive really good. Yeah, but you don't know that idiot that's about to meet you on the other side of the road, right or wrong? Oh, let me go on. Here we go. My wife is an excellent driver. <laughs> Can I talk about her driving here for just a moment? <laughs> so we're coming home from, yes, I am. So we're coming home from, uh, from vacation. I have a hard time sleeping in the car. Anybody have a hard time sleeping in the car? I mean, just, it's like... So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to drive, and I'm looking at her, and, she's, and I actually did kind of fall asleep a little bit. But here, she had silent road rage. You ever see silent road rage? It's like, I looked over a couple times, she's like, are you kidding me? Move over. When she's awake, it's, are you kidding me? Move over. Get out of the slow lane. A dummy, who taught you how to drive? She's an excellent driver. But you know what? Having insurance, it doesn't compare to the things that happen in our own lives. You know, broken hearts, broken families, they're not easily repaired. What are you going to do when you feel like you're surrounded just like they felt then? When you feel like you're overwhelmed or fearful or isolated? You know, disaster relief can come. The government can try to help you. You can read all the books you want to about it. But they can't help us through those times when it seems like our world is crumbling around us. Can I just tell you what the ultimate insurance policy is? And if you have one at your home, you better, you, if you don't have a Bible at your home, you better get one. You got one on your phone. You got your one on your iPad. You have no excuse not to read. The best insurance policy ever written is in the Word of God. His Word is everlasting. It's true, and it's faithful in every situation that you are going through. I said all that to tell you the title of my message is, How Can We Rest in God? Psalms 46.1, it says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Number one, how we can rest is we know that he is our refuge. God is saying when you can't find safety in anything else, you have to remember that he is your refuge. He is that place. What refuge means is a safe place. It means a shelter from danger. It means a place you can go into and feel confident about going into. We started Refuge 11, 11 years ago, I'm, th I'm thinking. Yes, coming up, we have our five-year and our 11-year birthday party coming up in September. Y'all going to join us? It's going to be awesome in here. Wow, y'all are excited about our birthday, aren't you? But we started Refuge, to be honest with you, for people like us. We wanted people to be, have a safe place to come into that maybe had been divorced, 
may have been knocked down by, by life's uh, tragedies and things that went long. We wanted a place to come in that even if you had made a mistake, even if you had made bad choices, and if you were hurting from life, we wanted a safe place for you. Because listen, we live in a crazy mixed up world. Any of y'all perfect out there in the place? If you raise your hand, altar call is now. There's no perfect people in this place right now. We all need Jesus, and we all need a shelter when time, when people have. Safe places are for people like us. People spend thousands of dollars on storm shelters. I watch these shows where they build them for the tornadoes, and they spend, I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars on storm shelters to protect them from the natural things that happen. But we got to know this, that there is a protection in the supernatural that you don't see because God is our refuge. He wants us to feel safe when danger is all around. He, I remember riding my bike to school when I was a kid, and there was a bunch of bullies. Listen, if it was one of them, I'd take them all. I'd take them all. There was like four or five of these boys. And I'd get on my bike, and I remember coming home from school. We were about nine blocks from school. If you know anything about living in the city, that was about a mile away from the school, a mile and a half. And I remember getting on my bike and sneaking around the side and driving as fast as I could to get home because these guys were going to beat me up every time. But I don't you ever remember that when you're getting ready, I remember pulling in that little gangway of that thing, screeching halt on my bike, letting it hit the ground, and all of a sudden running to the door and going, oh, I'm home. That's how God is. How about, how about your big brother? Somebody's trying to pick a fight with you, right? And you got you, you, you run your mouth behind everything else, right? You run, and I'm trying to stand behind somebody bigger than me. And I'm saying, yeah, I said that, and I said that. Now, you go ahead and you get him. That's the way God is. God is your refuge, and God is your strength. He is that person that you can go to. You can come to a screeching halt in your life. When the enemy is throwing hell at you, you can come to a screeching halt and say, God, I know that I'm safe with you. You really don't know. I wrote this. You really don't know what he's protected you from. I've said this before. Some of you all shouldn't even be sitting in this place right now, including me. Oh, by the grace of God and because he is my refuge and he is my strength, I'm sitting here this morning a living testimony to you that I should be dead. There's many of you in here. How many, how many should be dead right now if you look at your life? Oh, my gosh. Look at this. We've went through things in life, because, but now that we know that God is our refuge and he is our strength, but we have to understand that, he, number two, he is our strength. It's not strength that we come up with. It's not strength that we can muster up. Listen, we can work out. I'm trying. I really am trying to work out, you know. We can run. I am really not trying to run. We can eat right. Eh, ish. You know, so, but we can do all of those things and we can strengthen ourselves in the physical. But what do we do? How do we get spiritual and emotional strength in moments of weakness? First of all, you got to recognize that God is your strength. Isaiah 40, 29 says this. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. It didn't say anything about them working out more or eating better or running. And I would have said, let's all do that. That'd be great. But it says, you've got to rely on me to be your strength. So many times we try to build our own self up and we try to make our own way happen. And God says, no, 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 no. If you'll just lean upon me, if you'll run into me, if you'll hide under my heart, I'm going to show you where real strength comes from. In those private, weak moments, when you just received a bad diagnosis, 
Those moments when you got a surprising phone call that you didn't know you were going to get, he is your strength as you cry. He's your strength as you mourn. And even he's your strength when you get angry. You know what's okay? The Bible says to be angry and sin not. How many of you have been angry and sinned? How many have been angry and sinned not? My wife, yeah. She's been mad at me a couple of times and been really nice about it too, so she's good. But you got to understand, he can get you through everything that you're going through. The Apostle Paul, second greatest preacher besides Jesus, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He said this, he said, he needed strength in his, in his weakness. He said, oh God, can you take this thorn out of my side? What it means is there was something coming against him that he had no control over. And what Jesus said to him is, no matter what you're going through, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need. And it works better in your weakness. You know what? When you're weak, he's strong. You know why? He wants to show your weakness so that you can show his strength through you so you can show it to somebody else. Oh, I'm telling you one thing. Right now, God is looking for us to just relinquish ourselves to him. Moses, one of the greatest leaders ever, ever in the Bible, he needed strength to speak to Pharaoh. You know, he, said, he came to God and he said, you want me to do what? You want me to go back into Egypt and you want me to talk to the Pharaoh and say, let over two million people go that are his slaves? God, you know that. And you know, God, I, I, I stutter a lot. I can't speak well. I can't do the things that, that really a great leader needs to do. And God said, if you will go, I will provide for everything that you need. I'm going to be the words for you. I'm going to send somebody, help, somebody to help you alongside of you. So, so many times we have to understand that God is our strength. And maybe you can't do it in your own self. That's good because that's when he's got a chance to work with you when you can't do it on your own self. First of all, we just need to listen. Listen, Linda. Anybody have any listening problems in here? A lot of us can talk. Many of us can't listen. My wife will tell you that I have a hard time listening. But then I'll repeat back everything that she said to me. But sometimes I really just, did. it's a man thing, y'all. Come on. Can y'all repeat back everything your wife said to you? And she said, no, you really weren't listening to me, right? But sometimes we just need to listen. And sometimes we just need to obey. And sometimes we just got to trust God. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. Those that wait on the Lord. That's a whole nother sermon. We'll go on to that one another time. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they'll walk and not faint. God just wants us to listen to him, to obey him, and to trust him and wait on him. Number three, he's a very present help in time of trouble. Trouble here means you've done all you... You ever had those situations in your life? You've done all you can do. You've exhausted every particular. Come on, y'all ever, never had any of those? You've done everything that you know to do possible in yourself. And finally, you just have to throw it up your hands and say, okay, I can't do anything else about this. But listen, C.S. Lewis said this. It says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience and shouts to us in our pain. God uses pain to get your attention. How many of y'all grow closer to God when things are going great in your life? How many of you draw closer to God when all hell's breaking through in your life? 
most of us right now, when, when, when things are going pretty, pretty smoothly, we're, we, we kind of forget who God is and we forget he's our refuge and he's our strength. But when all hell starts breaking loose, the first thing we do is we cry out to him. But we draw closer to him in our troubles. But imagine being in a desperate situation and you're calling out for help, but not having confidence that anyone's even hearing you. You ever felt like your prayers were like that? You ever felt like that you're just, you're praying and feel like they're hitting the walls or, or nobody's out there? It's kind of like message in a bottle, chick flick. Anybody ever seen that one? I, I was forced to watch that like several years ago, but I ain't gonna lie, and I'm being honest on stage, I kind of like chick flicks, they're pretty fun. I don't like the ones that blow up everybody and shoot every, and kill everybody in the whole place. I do like a good chick flick movie. But message in a bottle was they found the message that this guy, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. You've all have endured a movie before going, oh my gosh. I told somebody this this morning. I said, they were talking about seeing Maverick, right? I want to go see Maverick. I want to see Top Gun Maverick. I said, the only problem that I have, I had somebody said, Johnny said he's seen it twice. But I said, the only problem I'm taking my wife to the movie theater is, is usually about 15 minutes into the movie, I'm looking over and she's, I'm like, girl, I just paid $743 for you to go to the movies with popcorn, drink, and everything. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Woo, that commercial. Never mind. Let's, let's go on here. She, okay, we're going to go watch Maverick then. But we cry out for help, and we have no idea if anyone's ever going to find this message, if it's ever going to reach anyone. Or not only that, that even if it does reach someone, will they actually pick it up? Will they actually read it? But fortunately, prayer is not that way. God hears us. He knows us. He cares for us. And it says he's a very, say very, very present uh, person in the time of trouble. Very is an intensifier word. You usually don't use the word very with present because you're either here or you're not here. You're not very here or very not here. You're usually here. But the writer of the psalm wants us to understand and not undervalue the presence of God. He is very present in your time of trouble. He is very present in your good times. He's very present in your fair times. And he's very, very, very present when you're going through something and you need him. He wants to be that father to you. Everything around you can fall apart, but you got to understand that God is there. When your world is crumbling all around you, you got to know that God is there. And when you're fighting a situation that you've been fighting forever, you got to know that God is your defender, God is your refuge, God is your strength, and He is there. So, practically, if you're taking notes, good note takers go to heaven. What do you do when these things come up? First of all, you just got to pause in prayer sometimes, wherever you are. So many times we think we got to pray in church or, or we got to pray if the pastor's around or we got to pray if someone can lay hands on us or something. But you got to learn how to pray wherever that you are. And sometimes you have to pause in those times. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. When I feel like my wife is about to kill me and I'm trying to sleep in the car, I got to praise. I had to pause in prayer. But whenever I feel, you know, when you're in those car and those situations and, and somebody has just bugged you at work too, right? You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you need to take just a moment and pause in prayer and say, God, I'm about to punch somebody, but I need you to help me not punch somebody. Also, 
y'all, uh, y'all are a bunch of saved people in here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you just want to just punch somebody sometimes, you'd be like, okay, I'm about to throat chop. Never mind, let's go on. Woo, pastor, you need to go on. Another thing we can practically do is we've got to be mindful of his presence. God, you said you were very present, and I need you to come into this situation right now. I don't need you next week. I need you right now. And sometimes if we're mindful of who he is and how he can operate, it helps you get through the things that you're going through. Psalms 46, 2 and 3 says this. So I will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam and let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. When the storms of life come, it's talking about natural stuff. What are you going to do and who are you going to place your faith on? Are you going to place your faith in the storm or the one who calms the sea? Come on. We can look around us and we can see all the turmoil going around us in the world, but are we going to place our faith in the one who can calm all that down? Are you going to place your faith in the doctor's report or the great physician's report? Come on. He's the healer. He took the stripes for our healing so we can believe in that too. Are you going to place your face, faith in your financial problems or in the God the Bible says owns the cattle on a thousand hills? When you're going through something and you don't know financially what it is, first, you, we need to be a giver. But we need to also understand that God has your back. There's been so many times in my life I just didn't know where this was going to come from, that was going to come from. And i got to know that when you are in covenant with God, like she said earlier, he can't, you can't go wrong that way because you're in covenant with him. But I wrote this down. When it comes to God, late is still on time. He's still working on your situation. He's still working things out for your good. You may not see it right now. I just told somebody this this morning that you may not see it right now, but three years from now, I've had some aha moments before praying about something, and I, and, and I didn't really see anything. And about three or four years later, God highlighted that to me, and I said, oh, wow, that was for that time. Don't give up on God. He is our refuge and our strength. He's very present in our time of trouble. And I'm telling you, he hears what you're saying now. He may not be, he may, he's probably working upstream. And you don't even see it yet. You got to remember to pause in prayer. You got to be mindful of his presence. And then you've got to activate your faith. The Bible says faith without works is what? Hey, some of y'all know your Bible in here. That's awesome. Faith without works is dead. Sometimes you can't just have the faith. You've got to step out of your comfort zone. You have to be able to move even when you don't feel like it. Come on, if we moved on our feelings, we would never do nothing. We'd be a bunch of Eeyores running around going, I don't really feel like it. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You can't live on your feelings. Sometimes you've got to move when you don't feel like moving. And sometimes you've got to believe even though you can't see it. Maybe there's things in right now uh, that, that something's happening in your life and you just can't see it yet, but God says keep believing. But listen, when your faith is activated, fears and worry and doubt all start to fade away. I'm not going to tell you they'll all go away 100%, but they start to fade. They start to become less important because you've got to activate your faith and know who is on your side. Do you know who's on your side? 
It's better than a big brother. It's better than a, a house of safety and a glass door that I could shut from the outside world. He is undefeated. He is for you. You got somebody got to know this. He is for you and not against you. God is he who goes and he fights your battles before you. The Bible says he goes ahead of you. He's already went ahead of you on some things. You're praying, oh, this is for somebody. You've been praying for something right now. He's already ahead. He's working upstream. Come on, somebody received that this morning. He's working upstream, and I want to hear about it when he, when he, when he finally uh, breaks through with that. But God is our refuge and our strength. He's ever-present. And the Bible says, David wrote, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You're very present in this time of trouble. The most effective weapon the enemy has over you is you not showing up for the battle. So many times we get defeated and we forget all of these things and we just don't show up. But the word says this, we got to get up and we got to show up. This is how I fight my battles. So many times we try to fight them in the natural. We try to fight them with your cousin or your uncle or your sister or your brother that you don't like. But sometimes I'm going to tell you, sometimes you got to fight your battle with praise. Come on, you got to fight your battle. you got to put some worship music on sometimes, and you just got to fight your battle with worship because those battles are his, and you got to fight your battle with faith. Number four, God is our source. Psalms 46.4, a river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God gives us resources even when there are obstacles. The Syrians had went upstream and blocked up the whole river, down river. They, so they thought, here's what we're going to do. We're going to block up the river, and then they won't get any kind of water coming through there, and they'll have to give up in a specific time. But do you know what happened during that time when they did that? There were streams of water that just came up out of the ground all around the Israelites. Oh, y'all ain't excited enough to know that. The enemy can block stuff. He can put obstacles in your way. But whatever he puts out, what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to turn around for your good. You may be blocked upstream, but God's got you downstream. So no matter what you're going through today, I'm telling you, there is another side to that river. They cut it off. But you got to understand that God is our source, and he provides our resource. Listen, we're coming into a time of living in this world Gas is $5 a gallon, y'all. I don't got to remind you that. When you go fill up your car, you're, you, you see it, don't you? We see economic stuff going on and, and gas prices and groceries. I went to the groceries the other day and had like 10 things, and it was $63.49. I'm like, what the heck did I buy here, you know? But we see those things. I think we're getting into a point where right now that we're going to have to start trusting God and we're going to start having to enact our faith and know that he is our source. Our source is not our job, yes, work. Our source is not our 401k, yes, invest. Our source is not the things that's of the man. It's God. And you know how you increase that? Oh, here he goes. He had to go here, didn't he, Pastor Rich? I want to thank everyone who's been giving during this time. We have some people that are faithful to give to God's house every week, every month, and it helps. I mean, because we're feeling the, the sting of it just like everybody else is out here with, I want to tell you what the electric bill is. But <laughs> every time I turn around, they're telling me, I'm, they're, they're, Pastor Rich, it's hot in here. I said, did you, I paid the electric bill every month, so uh, just wear some shorts and a t-shirt, you'll be fine. 
But I wanna thank you all for being remained faithful. But if you haven't started tithing and giving, have faith in God, test him. He's the one that provides the resources. You know what? He's the source that provides the resource. Let me look at Malachi 3.10. This has been talked to death here in the church world in 100 years. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Don't bring me just my leftovers. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I promise you, if you will give God his 10, he'll take your 90 to another level. And I'm telling you, it's story after story after story in my own life and stuff that I've heard of people. Since I started tithing, this, this started happening. So I'm, it's not a tithing message, but this is an understanding that God is our refuge, God is our strength, but he's also our source. So let's tap into that. God always supplies not only in the natural, but he also supplies in the supernatural. There's a river. Here's the river they're talking about, a physical river. But there's also a river that never stops flowing. It's called the Holy Spirit. It brings freshness to you. It brings joy to you. This river alludes that we should live our lives so engulfed in the Holy Spirit that it shows up in our families. It shows up in our churches. Oh, I pray that God would infuse the Holy Spirit in every church in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, come on. Let's pray for a second. Lord, right now, I pray, Lord, right now that your Holy Spirit would reign true on this Sunday morning. Wherever they're having church this morning, I pray, God, that right now you would, the devil tried to knock our program off, but he, he can't have the Holy Spirit. So, God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would come and infuse your spirit into the church right now, God. That people would walk out of their place, not just here, but wherever they're at. They will not be the same when they walk out in Jesus' name. Come on, we need the spirit of God. That We need the Holy Spirit more than we've ever needed him right now. I mean, we're walking by faith and not by sight. And man, I'm telling you what, some of our sight is scaring the heck out of us right now because we can't see it. We need to be guided by the Holy Spirit every single day. We need to get up and say, oh, this is my GPS for the day. God, I'm going where you tell me to go. I'm gonna make the decisions you tell me to make. And I'm telling you, when we start moving in that vein, God is gonna, we started that in this church just about a few months ago again. I don't mean to say that. We'd gotten programmed. We'd gotten kind of this, that, and the other. And we decided about four or five months ago, God, you're gonna be God. No matter what happens in this place, if it goes two hours, I promise I won't keep you two hours, but if, well, I ain't gonna promise nothing. If the Holy Spirit moves, we're gonna go. That was all for free. Here we go. Number five, and I'm almost done. He is rest if we are still. 46.10 says this, be still and know that I am God. You walk up to people nowadays and almost every, and I'm guilty of it too, y'all are too. You walk up to people nowadays and the first thing they say to you is, how are you doing today? And you say, I am tired. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm beat. Oh my goodness, I'm just worn out. You know what? Anybody else feel like this on a daily basis most of the time? Okay, y'all, I got some... I got some real people in this place. But here's what we are. We're trained in society to feel this. So we live in a time in the history right now where we place more value on more. We got to have more. There's a quote that says, when most people are asked what they will make, what will make them happy, they say just a little bit more. 
Well, let me just tell you what. Just a little bit more money won't make you happy. Just a little bit more popularity won't make you happy. I don't care how many likes and dislikes and hearts and all that great social media stuff you got. That's not going to bring you happiness. You have to understand that God is the one that can give that. Another thing we do is we multitask. How many multitaskers we have in the house? I try it and I, I don't do very good at it. So I have to try to do one task at a time. But multitasking means we have to get doing more. Here we go again. And how many distractions do we have in our life? Anybody got any distractions in their lives? Oh, Lord Jesus, that's the one right there that gets everybody. Phones and computers and, and emails. and all, nobody, nobody even reads emails anymore, though, right? An email plug for the church. We send out 308 people, read them. Please read your email. But then you look at somebody's phone sometimes and you look, they'll have unread email messages. Anybody get them? 460, 12,433. I mean, okay, anyway, I'm going on. That drives me insane. I have to go in and delete them all because I just can't, hand, I can't handle the little red thing on my phone. It's just too much. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm being practical this morning. But listen, all the work... All the distractions, they really drain us. They make you feel like you're tired all of the time. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. This is not on accident. Here's a prophetic scripture from Daniel that I'm going to talk about that talks about our time in history. Daniel 7.25 says this. And I'm using the King James, the most holy Bible. Listen to this. The reason I'm using is listen to this word. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. That's happening right now. We live in a, in a godless world right now. And he shall wear out the saints. What's happening right now in our lives right now is not by accident. The enemy is trying to wear us out. The devil is trying to wear you down. He's trying to wear you out. The enemy keeps under attack because he wants to steal your rest. He wants to kill your joy. He wants to, he wants to kill your peace. Most of all, right now, that's the one right there you got to keep in this world is our peace. And he wants to destroy our relationship with God because that is what keeps us in tune with God. It's working in the Christian world. We got a lot of time for everything, but not a lot of time for God. Glad I got my tennis shoes on this morning. Y'all got your steel toes? We got energy for the things that we want to do, but when it comes to coming to church or doing things like that, I'm just tired all the time, God. We focus on everything other, everything other than God. Busyness and, and distractions, they not only drain us, but listen, what they do, they keep us from spending the time with the one that gives us the energy that we need. They keeps us from spending the time that give one that gives us the focus of what we need each and every day. Those distractions and all the things are on purpose to keep you from getting into the source, to getting either tapped into what God wants you to do. The way you fight against this is you got to learn how to rest and be still. What does that even mean to be still? There's a Hebrew word called rapa. It says to sink down and let yourself drop. So how do we rest? Sometimes you just got to slow down and let God be God. If you're one of these people that go 300 miles an hour everywhere that you go, uh, uh, it, it, sometimes, you, why does she think I keep looking at her? Because <laughs> I do. Uh, isn't she cute today, y'all? Uh, Sidetrack. But sometimes you're going 300 miles an hour, and sometimes you just got to take a chill pill. 
And you gotta learn how to rest and be still in God. But how do you do that? You slow down and you take yourself out of the center of everything. So many times God can't get our mind because we got ourselves so much in the center and we forgot what position he has in our life. It's not all about us. It's about him. So take ourselves out of the center of everything and put God there. Choosing to be still requires faith, trust, and you got to know that he's God. So stop, quit trying, stop, stop and quit trying to take control of your own life. You got to relinquish your need to be in control. We got any control for you? No, never mind. You got to relinquish your. Uh, that, I won't, I don't, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go away from that one. That's next week's sermon. Um, you got to relinquish your need to be in control, or figure out your next steps. So many times we can't have peace in our life. We have chaos going because we're already trying to figure out what God's going to do a week from now or two weeks from now or three weeks from now. God says, I want you to be in my presence now. I don't want to worry. I want you to worry about what's going to happen in the future. Sometimes being still doesn't mean quiet, but it means quieting everything around me and quit worrying about what everything. I'm sitting on the beach, y'all. And my mind's going 100 miles an hour on, on just, and God's like, okay, ow, that hurt. He's like, will you just chill? Here I am, I'm in a perfect, as she said to me several times, this is paradise. But I'm in paradise, and my mind's still going 100 miles away. But the reason a lot of us won't surrender is because we don't remember. You got to remember where God brought you from where you are now and where he's taking you to. Oh, come on. Sometimes we get stuck in where we were. And we stay, Steve, in where we were. And God said, if you'll be present in the time that I meant you have you right now, I could show you something that's going to help you when you get to where you're going. Oh, let's get out of where we were and let's go to where we're going. Being still is not just in movement. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your steps. You got to make time to be still. Literally, you have to make time to be still. Are you a morning person? Yes. Praise the Lord, yes. How many night owls we got in the house? How many morning people? Show me your hands. Awesome, I love y'all. How many night owls we got? How in the world do you all do that stuff? We, uh, uh, in the morning is the best time for me, and, 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 and my wife so lovingly wakes me up every single morning between five and six o'clock. And she tries, have you ever seen the, the, the time when the man gets out of bed and the woman's still asleep and he's a ninja? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're like going to the fence and you're barely opening it and you go and you barely turn the light on and you barely make any noise. Well, when the woman comes through the house, or my wife, in fact, she's like clanking and smacking and get over here, Kona. You better listen to me. And I'm like, it's 5.30 in the morning. So um, I am a morning person, though, after that, after the fact. But we had to have, we, we tried to have a, count, we tried to have a counseling session. Listen, I love y'all, but I don't love you after 8.30. I tried to have a counseling session with somebody between 8.30 and 9 o'clock, and I was about to tell her, I was like, just, just. Tell them something. I got to get out of here because my mind was, was not. But you got to find that quiet time to, to spend time with God, whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the evening. You got to find that time to do that. And you have to be still. And be still doesn't mean motionless. It just means quiet your mind from the chaos of life. 
quiet your mind from all the distractions. I think sometimes we just need to put our phones in the other room. I'm gonna say that again. Sometimes I think we just need to put our phones in the other room because there are so many times when, when it's buzzing or clicking and you're still not trying to, but all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, oh what in the world? They said there is a thing that says that there is something subliminal about your phone. And sometimes you ever feel your phone buzz and it didn't? They said there's something that goes into your mind whenever you carry your phone a lot. So sometimes you gotta leave that in the other room. I read a book twice. Listen, I don't read, and I actually read this book twice, but it's only about 100 pages. Those are the, my favorite books. But it's called The Secret to the Secret Place. And it said to do this in your prayer time. And I remember I did this when I first moved up to Louisville. It says, take two minutes. And the Bible says, go into your closet and pray, okay? Not everybody's got to go in their closet and pray. But during this time, I lived in a one-bedroom apartment that had a, a closet the size of a bedroom. And so it was so easy to open the door. It was so easy to shut the door. It was so easy to sit down every single morning. But then I read this book. It says, quiet yourself and don't think of, don't do anything for two minutes. I thought, that ain't going to be too bad. You ever try to just sit for two minutes and not think of anything? It's very, very hard to do. But it says, as you get to you, it's just like a muscle. You have to be able to use that time to be able to focus on what God wants you to do. And it says, start to increase that by a minute each week. And I did that. And I found myself having, some, having a lot less thoughts and just letting God speak to me. But you've got to be still when your mind is going 100 directions. And you've got to be still when the situations and circumstances of life comes because life happens. You've got to rest in God. What does rest even mean? Come on, I asked some people, what's rest mean? They said, ah, it's lying on the couch all, laying around on the couch all day. Vegged out on Netflix. That ain't rest to me. But it's like vacation. Vacation was rest to me. Except for it takes me two days to get unprepared. It takes me two days to rest up from our, our vacation when we go. But sometimes we think about rest. We don't really know the true meaning of it. And can I just tell you this much too? Naps are from the Lord. Can I get an amen on it? Naps, N-A-P-S, I didn't spell that wrong, are from the Lord. Um, there's been, uh, when, we, when we go to the beach, uh, I know I'm going a little bit over where we uh, When we go to the beach, she gets me up at, before the, when the sun's coming up and we're out. And then she gets mad a little bit, got a little mad at me when I wanted to take a nap when we got home about 3.30 or 4 o'clock. And, and so a couple of times I didn't take a nap. And then she said, you're so grouchy. I said, I need a nap. And you didn't give me a nap. There was a couple of times when she said, I think we're going in a little bit early, so maybe you can go get a nap. Naps are from the Lord. That was easy. But we got to understand that another definition of rest is this. It means to be supported in position. There is support when we rest in the Lord. You got to know something that God is holding you up. Your bank account's not holding you up. Your spouse is not holding you up. The things around you are not holding you up. God is the one that's holding you up. And there's a remedy for your tiredness and restlessness in the word. Listen to Matthew eleven twenty eight in the message. It says, are you tired? Yes, everybody I talk to. Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? It says, come to me. Get away with me. That means that's that time where it's just gotta be you and God and all the other stuff has to go away. 
Come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything on you heavy or ill-fitting. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. If we notice this psalm begins with God is our refuge and our strength. And it ends in verse 11 saying, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This tells us that we can begin our day with God. We can end our day with God. And we can have as much God as we want on the in, in between there. When trouble comes and life happens and our world is being shaken, we can take rest, we can take refuge, and can, we can be still and know that he's God. If y'all would stand with me. I'm gonna ask you this morning, is he your refuge? Is he your strength? And you may be looking at me like, I don't even know what you're talking about, even after 30 minutes. But the way you make him your refuge and your strength is you have to first, you have to accept him as your savior. You have to accept him as that strength and that refuge. I just wanna let you know that he died for you he sacrificed his life for you. And the Bible says this, if you don't know him as a per, as his personal savior, all it says is to confess with your mouth. You say, I've sinned, God. I've made some mistakes. Everyone in here has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Will you please forgive me of my sins? I'm sorry. I wanna turn my life around. God, I believe in my heart that you died for me and you are the son of God. Will you take control? Will you be my refuge and my strength? Will you help me walk through each and every day? I promise you, if you'll say that prayer and you believe in your heart, you can be saved. But also there's a prayer team on the left and the right up here. If you need prayer for anything, maybe you've never accepted Jesus and you want to, and you want someone to agree with you, they're up here on the right and the left-hand side. And if you accept Jesus this morning, there's a card the, the connect card. We want you to fill that out, not just so we can get more information. No, it's, it's so we can walk through this life with you. We can tell you your next steps. We can tell you what it's gonna be like. We can tell you it ain't gonna be all roses and lollipops if you become a Christian, but it's the best decision that you'll ever make. And maybe you're here today and, 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 and you've just kind of forgot that God is your refuge and your strength. Maybe you've been going through some chaotic times in your life and you kind of just need a reminder of him. Maybe you've been stressed out. Maybe you've been hurt lately. God says, bring it all to me. I'm safe. I'm a hiding place. I'm a person you can come to and you can trust. You can't trust everybody, but you can trust God. He's a very present help in time of trouble. So I'm gonna ask you this morning, if you need prayer for anything, not just salvation, if maybe you're going through a situation in your own life that you just need somebody to agree with you on. Prayer team's up here. Other people around the altars.